0: Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Tim Miller of The Bulwark. If you're new to the show, go ahead and hit subscribe, hit the like button, leave us a review on your podcast service of choice. The reviews actually help more than you would think. Uh, And also come to thebulwark.com. We've got great stuff there every day, lots of smart pieces that'll tell you about the world around you. Great podcasts, uh, great newsletters. Sign up and get Charlie Sykes' morning newsletter faux
1: free with no ads every day. That all sounds nice, but they should also tell their pals. Tell your pals about us, you know? And then you tell can have a little pals, something to then you have a little something to talk about. You know, you guys can riff on how wrong or right we are, or sort of, you know, reflect on the funniest lines that I had over the course of a podcast. You know, it help it helps build community. Uh, so that just might be a good idea,
2: Tim. Do you want to spend any time uh, excluding JVL by talking about our in-person live event from oh. last week and how great it was? Man, do
1: thank that goodness, at the JVL wasn't. Do there. that okay. at the, <laughs> end. At the we'll end. end. We'll do. That was nice. What people want. I was a little toasty. Sarah was a little concerned about me. She asked me for a, a count on my on the number of bourbons I had. I told her it was a gentleman's three. Was it just the right amount for for hosting a live event? You know, not one too many, not one too few.
0: I'm surprised you went bourbons instead of edibles, since everyone tells me how great they are. <laughs> All right. We had a debate in Flo Rida between Ron DeSantis and Sarah. You certainly watched The Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. Tim, I can only assume you never watched The Golden Girls, nor even understand what that word, those two words mean.
1: I wasn't into it as a child, but as an adult gay man, I've had Golden Girls culture thrust upon me, and so I get the basics. Everything
0: about Charlie Crist sounds and feels like David mm-hmm. Leisure's character from The Golden Girls. Am I wrong?
2: Oh, yeah, that guy. Like I remember that guy.
0: Zartan tan and, the, like, the over eyes and the, the shocking white hair. He's the most plastic Joe Isuzu-type figure I think I've ever seen in national politics. Uh, and yet, he kind of beat up on Ron DeSantis, who turns out to be a black hole of charisma.
2: So— I was watching the Twitters last night, and I jumped into the debate because – uh, and by that, I mean I started watching the debate because the people like, Charlie Crist is wiping the floor with Ron DeSantis. And so I like started it from the beginning and started watching, and I was like, that is not what's happening here because Charlie Crist is not wiping the floor with Ron DeSantis. Charlie Crist is doing an okay job. I have myself never quite found Charlie Crist to be a compelling political – persona
1: no okay. well that's because gay men and lesbians are not natural allies so, so i don't know if you are a, are a good judge and i remember
2: i remember when the what was the name of that documentary that came out outraged right was it about out outing people and it was outing gay republicans and the whole thing was like about charlie Crist. and i was so i'm i am actually i am naturally on his side to some degree uh i think that it's got to be tough
1: it is outrageous got
2: to be tough for him. But I just I, – so I, I didn't find Charlie Chris to be compelling. I did think he did – you know, he certainly held his own. But I, I think what, what people were reacting to is that – and this is bad for Ron DeSantis. People have been putting Ron DeSantis, you know, these big profiles of him. This is the guy who's the understudy for Trump building up his profile – But nobody's seen anything longer than a Twitter level clip of him like shouting at a reporter or a teenager for the last, I don't know, 18 months uh, or longer than that. Last couple of years during COVID, whatever. And so I think seeing him have to go toe to toe with somebody was a reminder that he is uh, like only a slightly above average politician. And I was watching it thinking, what's this guy like on a stage with Donald Trump? And I I think Donald Trump eats that guy alive in a, in a head-to-head. Not that Trump debates anybody necessarily, but if you made a fantasy league uh, of politicians and like how they would debate, Ron DeSantis is not the most likable guy in the world.
0: Well, and, and he's not alpha. Before we go to you, Tim, Sebastian, can we have that audio? Because there is this insane moment. I wish we could actually do the video of it, but I don't think we can. Maybe we'll like put a a link into the, the notes. so People can see it.
1: Uh, Sebastian, roll the tape. If you've got it, you rogue. I'll try to do Ron DeSantis' faces while the, while the tape is going.
0: Ron, you talk about Joe Biden a lot. I understand. You think you're going to be running against him. I can see how you might get confused, but you're running for governor. You're running for governor. And I have a question for you. You're running for governor. Why don't you look in the eyes of the people of the state of Florida and say to them, if you're reelected, you will serve a full four-year term as governor, yes or no? He just stands there. Yes or no, Ron? Will you serve a full four-year term if you're reelected governor of Florida? It's not a tough question.
2: Is that my time? It's a fair question. He won't tell you.
0: So the the what you can't see because you're only listening to the audio is DeSantis literally just stands there and stares straight ahead. And what Trump would have done is Trump would have had some, you know, I'm going to go up with strength. I'm going to answer. The, a lot of people are asking questions like this, and it's strong. And the first thing I'm going to do is well, I'm going to beat you and look at my poll numbers. I'm up by eleven thousand five hundred points on this this ugly tan Charlie right. I mean, you can see that's what what full alpha aggro looks like in the, you know, the new Sally, Jesse, Raphael politics that we have in America. But instead, DeSantis just stands there and looks straight ahead like a mope. Tim?
1: With the easiest kind of thing, I, you know, every politician in history has had this question asked of them, this exchange, any ambitious politician has this, and there are a million ways you could have gone with it. Um, yeah, he there, there, there also is like a... Uh, um, DeSantis's face, which I I was trying to do, uh, he makes these very, like, I'm just trying to be very comfortable in my own skin and I'm not comfortable and I don't know what to do with my arms. And, you know, as somebody who's moved from being a a flack to having to be a content man, I get it. I don't, sometimes I don't know what to do with my arms. You know, it was like when I did that first interview with Jared Polis, I was like, "What what does one do with their arms when they're asking questions? It is, you know, you have to learn this stuff. But, but DeSantis, like, you would think that as, you know the the next best thing, like would at least you know look minimally comfortable up there. He looks very uncomfortable. Um, he looks like he's in his father's first communion suit. Like he does, like the jacket doesn't quite fit, and he's like Carter. Well, he's, he's got like,
0: stubby little T Rex arms.
1: Yeah, he's like Cartman in a First Communion suit, you know, and and like he doesn't know what to do. He can just, or Nelson, it's like when Nelson from The Simpsons would have to look, get dressed up um, for church. Like, that's what it looks like. It's very uncomfortable. And uh, his voice is not great for me. So, no, I I mean, I don't know that this really matters that much. I was intrigued that Charlie Crist was on Fox today, uh, you know, kind of trying to press the advantage a little bit, um, you know. One of the uh, clips I saw was of him talking about how uh, crime is actually up under DeSantis. I, I don't know if that's actually going to land on Fox, but I do wish some more Democrats would do this. I and mean, they, they don't even try to to push this back on Trump. Like all of the stuff that they, that Republicans complain about actually happened during Trump's. Administration uh, And, you know, now continues under DeSantis. So there's, there's a little bit of life from Charlie Crist which is encouraging. But I, I definitely think the bigger takeaway was just the overconfident wish casting from all of the, you know, anti-anti-Trumpers who are just desperate for Donald Trump to go away and and be replaced by Ron DeSantis. Like, they don't really mind, right? Because they're not the target. What appealed to Trump for them was not his ability to do slams and to insult people and be funny and own the libs. That wasn't what, you know, your National Review types, you know, was not the reason why they came around on Trump. And so they have been kind of hoping that they can get what they want out of DeSantis and that he can be enough of a – imitation version of Trump, you know, to appeal to the people that do like that. And I just – you watched that last night and think that it's not really – that doesn't seem very likely, actually. It seems like a wish casting that's not going to come to fruition for them.
2: Yeah, and can I just say – so Carrie Lake got asked the same question, like, will you – like, will you be governor for all four years? And she was like, yeah. Yeah, because you know what? No one holds you to that stuff. Like, like yeah, literally, everybody just lies. So – Nobody, nobody just tells the truth. Like, every, I don't know what's going to happen. So there she said, sure. Yeah. So like, if she doesn't, what are <laughs> they going to do? No. Yeah. She doesn't care. She's going to be running for vice president. Like, um, and or so president was, or president, which I but
1: think it, is the key point here. I mean, she is m- so much better than him.
2: So much better than him. This is, this is, I mean, at the
0: performance. Hold so. on. We're going to get the cat. I don't want to spill our Carrie Lake stuff here. Uh, Do you think we are inching closer to the open warfare between DeSantis and Trump? We had uh, we had the the fantastic Financial Times cover story, I think, which finally said something. It said like the smart version of Trump or whatever the headline was, which is the story I've been waiting for somebody to to run. It has because it has to be on a cover in order for Trump to obsess about it. Are we getting there yet? No? Is Trump just going to keep holding his powder?
2: No, he yelled it. He did a uh, – he got mad at DeSantis on uh, – He I think he truthed about this. He truthed about DeSantis endorsing O'Day, yep. uh, who is the Colorado Republican yes, senator Trump. who's running a bit above expectations right now, um, but who has been doing that because in a place like Colorado, Bluer State, he's running away from Trump, away from election lies, and that is helping him – do well, and DeSantis uh, has decided that this this whole endorsement race thing that's going on on the right is like a real signal situation. Um, but anyway, so Trump truthed uh, that it was a what was a bad idea or something uh, at DeSantis over over the headline that he had endorsed O'Day.
1: I, yeah, I, I know, and he did that, and it also again, it just goes to uh, what we we're saying: like the uh, Trumps just would sniff out. Like, if DeSantis can't navigate his way around something as simple as will you run again in four years, like, any of that weakness is just blood in the water for Trump. Um, and, and, and so yeah. I, I do think – I don't know that we are in open warfare. The same thing with yeah.
0: the vaccination stuff, right? I mean, because that's, that's – Trump will zero right in on that. You know, you, did you get vaccinated, Ron? Right? And DeSantis will stare at the camera. Yeah,
1: I just don't know that we're going to get to open warfare. I'm not 100%. This is not a hard and fast Tim prediction for the Tim is always right shirt that I'm lobbying for. But it does seem to me like the most likely scenario is DeSantis likes the attention he's getting. You know, so it seems like, I guess, Tom Brady is texting with him right now. Mm -hmm. It's unclear to me. I I would like to see a screenshot of those texts. I mean, these are two, like, very robotic humans, Tom Brady (laughs) uh, and, and Ron DeSantis. Like, what are they texting? Like, nice football match, Thomas. Like, thanks, Ron. Nice interview. It's hard to imagine their casual chat together, but apparently they're texting. Elon was saying nice things about Ron. You know, he's getting invited to everything. So has Alex
2: Jones. Yeah, so has
1: Alex Jones, right? Like, so all all of his faves. So he's getting invited to stuff, you know. And so if you're DeSantis, you like, well, let's milk this. I like the attention, right? You never know what happens with Trump. But it seems to me, just watching his performance, like, is this a guy that's really up for it? Like, going head-to-head with him? Uh, I, I just, it feels like if the most likely scenario is Trump announces after the midterm, like maybe DeSantis just sort of sits on the sidelines and doesn't really say anything about it and, and he just kind of sees how things play out. But it's hard to see this guy even trying it. For me, I don't know.
2: You know, I get – I talk to reporters about DeSantis a lot because a lot of times reporters call and they want to know like what the focus groups say about DeSantis. And one of the things I've always maintained is that like there is a path for DeSantis. Like if you ask a focus group sure. of people – uh, okay, if Trump doesn't run, who do you want to see run? Or even when people say that they're just ready to move on from Trump, you say, okay, to whom? DeSantis. It's always DeSantis. DeSantis didn't. and And so um, I've always thought like, oh, there's an available audience for DeSantis. Like there's a world in which if DeSantis was an unbelievable performer, that like he could have a moment. But I think what was interesting about last night's debate, and this is the point, is just he's been really overhyped, and I'm not sure he's just got the stuff – to do this. And my guess is, is he knows he doesn't quite have the stuff to do this. And if I were, I would say this when people are like, you know, we talk about the debates, like Liz Cheney could get on the stage with Donald Trump and like hammer at him and go toe to -to -to toe. Like he would have a hard time, I think making her look small, but to these like fake alphas, he destroys them in a way that is like, like Marco Rubio will never recover as like a man, like he just, you know, it's like, I don't mean like in a hyper masculine way. I just mean like Donald Trump held his manhood cheap, you know, showed him to be like this empty, uh, person. And like, he'll never, he'll never be an alpha again. No one will ever take him seriously. And I think Ron DeSantis risks that like he could get another four years of being the understudy of being the heir apparent and not having to like show that he's got the goods. Um, because I'm not sure they're there.
0: Yeah, but he's been playing this dangerous game where he's tiptoeing up to the edge of tugging on Trump's cape and then backing off of it, right? He's not in the full submissive posture of a Carrie Lake, right? Or Doug Mastriano. Like, he really, he's, he's really trying to see how far he can go without being a supplicant. Right. And I don't, I don't know, maybe Trump forgives that. Maybe not, right? I don't know. What do you think, Tim?
1: Yeah, I, it's a little bit of a dangerous game, though. I think that Trump, the one of the things that is smart about Trump in, in, politically, his, in, his instinct, is if any one of us on this podcast went on Fox tonight and brought out a red hat and put it on and we're, we said, we've seen enough, we want Mr. Trump to come back full MAGA 2024, like, he'd be truthing about us. We'd be invited down to the Cougar Pavilion. You know, like, Trump just wants to be loved, right? right? So so it's not that dangerous of a game, because if DeSantis just stops pulling on the cape and gets back in line, like, Trump will, uh, will welcome back into the fold, like, snippety-snap. So I think that he has a little bit of space to, to do this. It's just, the question is when you turn, you know, like, once the key turns on and you become combatant, then... That, that's where things get really dicey from. Because what DeSantis really, in all of these scenarios, I agree there's a scenario where DeSantis could be Trump. It's not a 0% chance. But in all of these scenarios, I think the DeSantis people gain this out as like, we're not really going to attack him that hard, you know, we're just mostly going to focus on the future, you know, we're going to talk about how, you know, we'll do some little passive-aggressive hits about how the wall wasn't really, you know, built and all this sort of stuff. And like, that just doesn't work. Because once you're opponent, you're opponent. And Trump, Trump goes full to eleven, and he'll just use whatever excuse it is to say that Ron DeSantis' little baby punch required a counter punch, and Trump takes it to eleven. And and so the only way to actually do it is to fully counter punch, or to just kind of wait in the wings, be nice, and hope that you know the hamburgers are are the uh, uh, Merrick Garland take him out, right? And and so there might be some point in attempting the, the latter strategy.
0: All right, listen, before we move on, I, I just want to throw this out there because you mentioned it, Sarah, about when Trump announces after the midterms. I mentioned it. Oh, you mentioned it, Tim.
1: I do have kind of a higher register than Sarah, so I could see how that might have. Sorry about that. So here's my question.
0: Why not announce now? We are pulling, right, the polling is turned around. I don't know if you noticed this, guys, but after I wrote about this, waving the flag about it last week, suddenly everybody else in the world uh, started running pieces this weekend saying, oh, crap, the polling has turned around. Republicans, I think, are probably going to overperform what people thought they were going to be doing in mid-September or even the end of September. Why not get out in front of that parade if you're Trump so that you can take credit for all of it?
1: You won me over on this. I think that he should. I think that any day that he doesn't is a risk that something happens that makes things worse for him. Uh, But it seems like, like, does he really at this point? Does he really want to deal with like what happens if the Republicans don't underperform? Right, like things do look good right now. I think that the House is safe. But what happens if? you know as you've written about jvl there's a series of races and and it just happens the coin flip goes against republicans in pennsylvania georgia arizona and nevada right and and that and democrats end up increasing their majority right then this then you risk totally being blamed cuz it's like oh man the the that things were going Republicans way, and then Trump announced it, and then boom! Look what happened. We lost the Senate. Right. So I, at this point, I think it's kind of too late for the for the JVL strategy, which in retrospect I, I do think was probably a better one for him. That why rock the boat, assume Republicans take both, and then you know ride in on the coattails and make an announcement is kind of what I would expect from him.
2: I mean, I I don't think there's any upside to him doing this, and I've never thought so, because I've wished he would, because I think it would hurt Republicans. But the reason is, is that his stamp is already all over these candidates, right? He handpicked them. He dragged them through their primaries. Mm. They are Trump's candidates. So, like, if he were to announce and then they underperform, he gets blamed, right? But, like, if if they perform well, if Vance wins, if Masters wins, like, Trump already gets the credit for a lot of that. He'll take the credit in retrospect. I think it's Smart of him to just wait and see how it shakes out.
0: So when is he going to jump in, Sarah? Late November? Early December? Does he wait till New Year's?
2: You guys, this is just honestly how I feel. I'm not positive he will. Really? I know that that sounds crazy. No, it's not crazy.
0: Talk me through it. I think he has to get out before an indictment is announced.
2: Everybody has gone to him. Like, the RNC, if you recall, literally threatened and leveraged his legal bills on him. Like, we will stop paying your legal bills. If you announce before the midterms, like, no, everybody knows strategically it's not a good idea. And I bet. You know, I bet Tony Fabrizio and his pollsters went in there and said, look, this is what you'll do if, you know, you're top of mind. And maybe they even I mean, back in, you know, we've had this this vibe shift, but the in the middle the vibe shift toward the Democrats, one of the three reasons why Democrats were sort of overperforming expectations was that Donald Trump's salience had jumped in those moments. Right. Because of the Mar-a-Lago documents, he was sort of back on people's minds. I think if he's going to go, he has to go first because the whole point of Trump is to freeze the field, right? Like there's a whole bunch of candidates where if Trump doesn't run, I think it's a foregone conclusion that DeSantis runs. I think it's a foregone conclusion that Yunkin runs and a bunch of other, you know, even like Ted Cruz, like a whole bunch of people are going to run.
1: Yeah, Tom Cotton, Mike Pompeo, a lot of empty pizza ranches for those guys. That's right. But a bunch of those people (laughs) don't run
2: if Trump runs. I mean, like if Trump runs – He's probably the the big question will be if DeSantis gets in and then like he's probably running against Liz Cheney and like Larry Hogan
1: Mike Pence maybe.
2: And Mike Pence maybe. Christie. Christie. And maybe
0: he convinces the state parties to circumvent the the voting, right? Yeah. Because sure. This is- if he gets in, he gets in first.
1: Certainly some of the states will do that for him. Yeah.
0: Like, you know, Missouri and Arkansas won't – Arizona. Yeah,
1: Arizona, where Kelly Ward yeah. is running this.
0: What are the chances that they party? won't just yeah. say, we're, no, no, we're not. We're going to short circuit this? I think we're all bets are off a, once Trump or, you know. is
2: in. Because, like, it was like what happened in, in, in 20, right? Where, like, we thought there was – I mean, th- there wasn't really a path to – To primary him, but like that wasn't didn't matter anyway. Like if like they were gonna shut that down and they weren't gonna let it happen. And so I think all bets are off if Trump gets in. I will say, like, if he doesn't announce within a week or two of the midterms and us knowing, I will become very like bullish on him not doing it. Because I I think that like the whole point of him has to be to get in early and freeze the field. Otherwise, like what's he gonna do? He's not gonna like wait to see if. Christy Gnome decides to run, or like Ron DeSantis, he's not going to let them get in first. Right. Like, why would he do that?
1: Yeah, money. I guess once you're an official candidate, et cetera, et cetera, you have to start spending hard dollars. I, I don't know. I, I, we're, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this in November and December. So I just say, I briefly, I, I interviewed Maggie Haberman for the Commonwealth Club. You can watch it on YouTube if you want to. If you want to Google it, um, and I tried to like Zag and ask her different questions from all the obvious ones everyone asks her. Um, and uh, I know there's people with Maggie derangement syndrome out there, so feel free to not watch it if you have MDS. But uh, you know, her the basic take is like, look. This guy loves to be loved, and, and he likes to have leverage over investigations. This is a historic fact about him going back to when he was a very small child with tiny hands. And, like, the best way to get attention and the best way for him to feel like he has leverage over the investigations is to be in. And so why wouldn't he be in? Uh, that's just, that's what it comes down to for me. Maybe something else happens. I can't get inside his brain. But um, but that's that's sort of where I land, and that's where Maggie landed.
2: But part of his leverage is not running. So part of his leverage is, like, the idea that he wouldn't run. Like, I've always thought that one of the ways they negotiate this thing, that Merrick Garland potentially negotiates this thing, is to say, like, you commit to not running and not holding office again and, like... That's what we'll do to avoid a civil war. I think
1: you're in JVL fantasy politics land here. I just don't see that.
2: How, well, why is that the
0: fan me fantasy? No, that's that's
1: well because you love fantasy. West Wing fantasy politics. No. It's like Merrick Garland will walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. You know, and decide, I'll just do this myself and meet have a big meeting with Donald Trump. Well,
2: why isn't that a piece of leverage? Why isn't that a piece of leverage, him not running again? It is a
1: piece of leverage, but it's, I think Trump thinks that it's the, that he has the leverage in this case, right? Which is like, I'm I yeah, running. It's not negative leverage. It's
0: always positive leverage. Yeah. Uh, all right. Before we move on, I want to talk about our friends at Bull and Branch, the linens company who made these wonderful sheets that they gave us. Uh, it, it, I say this every week, but it's true. I'm going to keep saying it until you people listen to me and treat yourself to these sheets. Long staple cotton. It makes them incredibly supple, but also substantial. Uh, they're soft. They're really well-engineered sheets, well-designed, incredibly deep pockets on the fitted sheet. Uh, I just, I love the crap out of them. They're the best sheets I've ever owned. And I spent a lot of time going around buying luxury sheets over the last like 15 years or so. Uh, Timothy, would you like to share a funny story from the with the class?
1: Yeah, just a little anecdote. Yeah, I'd like to. I, my friend Sue DM'd me. Uh, love Sue. She's a good listener, unlike some of you bad listeners who haven't done what Sue did. She went down to our local uh, & branch, kind of checked it out. Uh, wanted to make sure when she bought the sheets, she got the uh, & Branch branch. I guess uh, when she got the sheets, that she got the fifteen percent off bulwark code. Gave them next level. She was surprised to find out um, that uh, the employee there, Bolin Branch, had not heard of me, Tim Miller. She was like, <laughs> "You're kidding!" His hysterical commentary about Bolin Branch on the Next Level podcast. Not all the. Em- it's not mandatory listening for all the employees. So, I- did
0: Sue have one of your headshots to pass out to yeah, him?
1: I don't know. Maybe she was just playing it cool. I don't know. But I, I will just say... Is
0: Sue's last name Miller?
1: Uh, no. Sue's last name is not Miller. I'm not, I don't want to fully out her, but exactly. I'm we're grateful for Sue. And everybody be like Sue and, uh, and you know, use the use the next level code to get your 15% off. And if you happen to be in a Bull and Branch branch, just kind of ask. Be like, have you heard of Tim? Do you follow? Are you watching out my party on Snapchat? Just kind of see like, what my popularity level is among Bull and Branch employees and keep me posted on that.
0: Well, this is the type of thing that you should... should People should treat themselves to it. Like, I think people get a little hinky about like, oh, do I need luxury sheets? And the answer is you do. You do. Like, it's like a third of your day. You, you Look, if you're not 22 years old, like if you, if you are a grown-ass adult and you have a job and you sleep in a bed, then treat yourself to some nice sheets. Uh, I myself am going to, actually, I think as soon as we're done, I'm going to go to the Bowling Branch website and treat myself to their be- herringbone bed blanket, which looks <laughs> amazing. Uh, and I'm getting one of those for myself as well. Uh, okay. Try the sheets that will make fall the coziest season of the year. Get 15% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code next level at bullandbranch.com. That's bullandbranch, B O L L A N D, branch.com. Promo code next level. Be like Sue. So I have a question Is there anybody in all of America rooting harder for Katie Hobbs than Ron DeSantis? Because although Ron DeSantis has gone and campaigned with Carrie Lake. Me.
1: I think me. I think me and then Ron DeSantis. Surely (laughs) he
0: looks at her and sees in her the reptilian cunning and the master of media that he is not. And he must fear her. No?
2: Yeah. No, Carrie Lake, we've been talking about this for a while, JBL. And, you know, the first person who said it to me was Mark Caputo, from Florida, mm-hmm. who is like a Ron DeSantis uh aficionado. It sees him up close a lot. And then I told it to you on the secret pod, and like I think that we all sort of were like, Yes, this is the right take. And the right take was that yep. Carrie Lake is the true heir to MAGA and Ron DeSantis is not. And the reason that she is so good is that it is it does come down to Charisma And, like, that was what was on display last night was, like, his negative charisma. Like, somebody did a mashup of his facial expressions. um, And, like, (laughs) I actually didn't realize that Tim was imitating him before. And I was like, what is going on with Tim's face? Uh, (laughs) 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 But uh, he he looks so uncomfortable in his own skin. And uh, she (coughs) looks... Like, she's living a dream every day. She also looks like she is having fun. Ron DeSantis does not look like he's having fun. He looks pissy and mad and, like, everything irks him. And she is a happy warrior, the same way kind of Trump is, um, where everything's a little bit of a joke. She carries it kind of lightly. Uh, and she's able to talk about elections being stolen and how she's definitely going to do a full four-year term as governor and all that stuff without blinking an eye. And that makes her... Really, really dangerous for the future.
1: The other thing is, not only is she better than him, not only will, if in some crazy sequence of events, Trump doesn't run or Trump is unable to run, not only will she have Trump's loyalty for being loyal to him, so she'll have the Trump stamp of approval over him. Great point. Um, And uh, she also, there is something, we've talked about this before, I think, Sarah, you and I have, I don't know, I don't remember if we did JVL. Like, Republican voters... I, there is something in them that's like, I want to prove to those woke libs that I'm not sexist. I'm not racist. So, like, if you give me a woman or a person of color that, that is MAGA, that also hates the people I hate, that gives them an extra bump, actually, over, over you know, just another <laughs> normal white guy, right? So, it's like a stick in the eye of the media. So, she has that going for her. She has her abilities better going for her, And the timing is working out for her conceivably in a way, I and mean, obviously for the VP slot, but even, again, even if they ended up having to go head-to-head this time, um, I just, you know, anything can happen, who knows? But to me, uh, just across the board, a clearer answer for where the party is than Ron DeSantis, and I just, if, if we had a fantasy matchup between the two of them, it just seems to me like she's Trump and he's Ted Cruz, and it's just like a full rerun of what we just did in 2016. And we already saw what happens.
2: One more thing to this, which is she would, if she wins, she becomes governor of the most razor-edge swing state, right? The one that that has been turned in purple. She gets it back. She wins a state that Trump lost, right? And she defeats the secretary of state that she says stole the election from Trump, right? Like, she has been full-on in the election. Like, not – she's been hands-on. And so, like, the idea that she is – like the warrior that can push back on this, like it's got all the makings uh, of a narrative that is a winner uh, with the base.
1: Which takes me back to my article, which is, Let's fucking stop her. Yeah. All right. We've got we've only got 13 days. I mean, this has been the frustrating part about all this. And I told JVL before I submit it. And for folks who haven't read it, I wrote an article about how Katie's Hobbs's campaign has been a dog's breakfast, and and how it doesn't seem like she's getting the kind of help she needs from national Democrats to sort of boost her, and like that we're not. There isn't a fierce urgency of now about this campaign, which there should be when we have this, like you know, semi-fascist that's about to, to win a key swing state who could put her finger on the scale for 2024, who would be on the top of the VP list, who'd be on the top of the POTUS list. So, like, let's try to kill this in the crib, right? When we still have a chance, because she could still lose. I mean, it is a close race. She's only up by one in the in 538. And and I try to make the made the parallel to when I wrote that article. During the presidential primary. Now, obviously the threat between Bernie and Kerry Lake is not equivalent. So any Bernie fans don't get mad at me here. But when when it looked like Bernie was going to win the nomination of the Democratic primary, and you know, my concern was about Bernie, but really more about how I, I thought that that it would make Trump more likely to win a second term. And I wrote the article that's just like Democrats, wake up. This is happening, like circle the wagons and do what you can to, to stop this now. And they did, you know, right? Like, what happened? Pete and Amy drop out. They get around, they circle the wagons around Biden, they go and endorse him, they hold events with him. That stuff matters, right? Like you can make difference around the edges. And and the Democrats, for some reason, are letting Katie Hobbs. Like Diana Vine out there. Like she's not getting the Barack Obama trip that other people are getting. I wrote in the article about how Kristen Cinema and Mark Kelly are not helping her. Me and JVL a private debate on Slack, which we can hash out here about whether Kristen Cinema would actually help her. I think that she would. Other people think that she wouldn't. but ok, regardless of that, I think that there's she should at least be trying. And the fact that she won't even say she's voting for her is insane. And I think it's very clear that Kristen Cinema doing an ad that was like, hey, I've been crossways with the Democrats on a bunch of stuff, and I'm an independent voice, but this Carrie Lake lady is a fucking lunatic, so please do what I'm doing. Voting for Katie Hobbs would certainly help, right? And yet none of that is happening. Hobbs is limping into the finish line.
2: I'm just want to come down squarely on Tim's side here on the idea that Kristen Cinema, literally anybody endorsing her right now who's holding office, that creates headlines of more people endorsing Katie Hobbs creates narratives that are good for Katie Hobbs because right now all the headlines are about people abandoning Katie Hobbs and how she's running such a bad campaign and so people don't want to endorse her. Oh. That stuff, that stuff compounds. And so you've got to change that trajectory by being like, no, let's get every endorsement we can and like National Democrats gets the media talking about it. So like 100 percent they should be jumping in for her.
0: I mean, I, I do want to clarify here that when we say that Katie Hobbs is running a bad campaign, we don't mean that she's running a Herschel Walker campaign.
1: What do you mean about a Herschel Walker campaign? There's some similarities with Herschel Walker, like inability to answer what, what questions. What I mean is she's not insane. Oh, right. No, she's not insane. Right.
2: But the difference with the Herschel Walker campaign is actually a good – it's a good corollary to see how Republicans have circled the wagons for him. That
1: is exactly – Right? Like
2: you don't see – Kemp's right. not running sure. – didn't run away from him. Yep. Like everybody's still in for Herschel. Everybody's good for Herschel. Everybody circled yep. the wagons on him. But people – this is the difference between Republicans and Democrats.
0: One of the differences between Republicans and Democrats, there's a story out today, NBC, I think, had or CNBC about the all the corporate donors who have jumped on board with Carrie Lake, which, again, I mean, Carrie Lake has, has said that she, you know, she wants to lock up her opponents. She wants to jail her opponents and maybe she doesn't mean it or whatever, but like she is a loon. She's a And she's dangerous. And corporate America is like, eh, fine, we're there. And just, you know, the, as you say, the lack of support for Katie Hobbs is amazing. Can, can we finally get, I mean, I don't want to make this about cinema bashing, but um, I don't know, Kristen Cinema. not even saying that she would vote for the perfectly normal Democrat. Like, this is the difference, right? Here is the, here is the difference between Democrats and Republicans. Your boy Sununu, Sarah is all in on the general Don Bolduc, right? And Kristen Cinema won't even say whether or not she is voting for Katie Hobbs. Yeah. That's the difference between Democrats <laughs> yeah. and Republicans.
2: Yeah, I mean, th- this is just Republicans like fall in line, right? They are the wagons. And I wrote in this piece like the end of the good Republicans like Sununu and Ducey, and all of these guys who are endorsing these insane people. And like the anti-antis who are, argue that like, well, this is incrementalism. You have to do this. This is how we pull the party back from insanity. And I'm like, guys, the radicalization's going the other way. Like it is the, the the radicalization of Sununu and Ducey and Yunkin is is what's happening here. That's the big story. There's and like corporate like 2022 is the year that the establishment Republicans in air quotes and corporations just gave up. Like they just gave up and were like, yep. We're all in for these election denying lunatics. Like we don't.
0: Well, they understand that that's the only future.
2: But Tim, don't you think? Don't you think that that Katie Hobbs must have waved Cinema off? Like, there's no way these campaigns don't talk to each other, right? Yes,
1: yes, I do, I do think I, I know actually that Katie Hobbs did not want or has not asked Cinema. Let's put it that way. Has not asked Cinema for help. I know that, uh, and I, and I think I put that in the article. And so I have a pox on all their houses, right? Like, I don't I think Katie Hobbs is running a bad campaign. Uh, I think that the Democrats, national Democrats, are not doing what they can to help her. And the DGA put in 8 million, which is good, but like, there's no sense of urgency. There's no sense of, okay, like, let's break glass here and bring in the Obamas, bring in anyone popular. And, and yeah, I don't know. Cinema, cinema could do something on her own. She has her own agency. Right, maybe they don't want her to say what that, but like this is crazy. Like, I won't even say on the record that I'm voting for. Her. Like, there's no, Katie Hobbs is running a bad campaign. She looks like a deer in the headlights in interviews. She just isn't that good at the at the performative part of politics. But like, she's normal. I, she's fine. Like, the, the Arizona has a Republican. Legislature, right? Like it's not like Katie Hobbs is going to institute socialism or open the border to anyone that wants to come through Arizona or believes in. Like General Don Bolduck believes that the vaccines are Bill Gates putting microchips inside of our bodies. Like these life-saving vaccines that saved millions of people. That's what General John Bolduck thinks. He thinks that the Chinese Communist Party has as infiltrated Mitch McConnell's office. Okay, Mitch McConnell's still for it. All right, now Katie Hobbs isn't any of that. She's just. Kind of a lackluster liberal, right? And and I'm going to disagree with some of the things she wants to do. I'm sure Kristen Sinema will disagree and, and agree that she's running against someone that is a frequenter of of Steve Bannon's insurrectionist podcast. Like wants to use the Arizona surplus to drone the border, and 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 who knows? Might change the election laws so that the state legislature gets to decide who wins the 2024 election. I and mean, this is a crazy fucking lunatic. And I feel like I'm screaming into the ether when I'm calling around for this article, being like, why aren't more people trying to help stop this? It's like, well, you know, we're doing what we can. We gave, our, we did our ads, and, and Katie Hobbs is running her campaign. And, and, you know, in Arizona, that's how you win, by being independent. And I'm like, that might have been how Mark Kelly and Kristen Sinema won, but they are different people than Katie Hobbs, all right? She just, she looks like a normal liberal, she is a normal liberal, progressive, actually, is probably a better word. She looks like a normal progressive. she is. Cinema and, and Kelly were able to run unique campaigns away from the Democratic Party because they are unique. One's an astronaut, one is kind of a weird avuncular human. So I, like, to say that like, Katie Hobbs should run like them is just, you know like asking a duck, you know, to, to walk around the street. That's a terrible analogy,
2: but you know where I'm going. All Katie Hobbs needed to do was go on offense. Like like Carrie Lake has given her all kinds of fodder to appeal to normie voters. And so like the fact, the thing that makes me upset with the campaign that she's running is that she is not present doing that, right? Like the the not debating and the things like that when you have an opponent who you can hit for being an anti-vaxxing, election-denying, like, absolutely insane person, you have to go hit them on those things. Cameras
1: in classrooms.
2: Cameras like you have to go out and make that case. And it's—the the badness of her is the unwillingness to prosecute that case against Carrie Lake. That's the criminal part here. Like, I can't even blame everybody else. I mean, I can blame everybody else because what they're doing is they want to protect themselves by being like, well, she's running a horrible campaign. Like, I can't be attached to that. And, like, I just like don't understand why they don't go to her and say, get out here. Like, we'll back you up. Like, this is really important. Like, th- go out there and we will stand behind you and we will say that you're right and we'll all go hit her. Like, where's the team unity? Like, put on the jersey, everybody, and go get Carrie Lake.
1: Give me a primetime rally. Seven o'clock at the Arizona State Football Stadium, where you got the where you got Obama and the heavy hitters out there, just ripping Carrie Lake over and over again. Like here is that the, this lunatic said this thing, this lunatic said that thing. Like I, I mean, the, the the hit list on Lake is a mile long. On it's on abortion, it's on schools, it's on vaccines, it's on. I guess maybe you don't want to talk about the border stuff, but her border shit is is even insane. It's about how she wants to use the state's money. I mean, like, you could just go down the list, and yet, nothing.
0: But, Tim, the price of gas is so high, and it's the fault of the Republican governor in Arizona, and so that's why
1: Carrie Lake needs to be elected, Right. Well, that's the norm. What the Republicans are saying, which is fine, but I'm talking about the normal Democrats. I know. I'm putting I this know. one on the Democrats. Why aren't they doing? They why aren't I, they I, carrying this? I don't know. I, sure. I also, by the way, Jeff Flake and Cindy McCain. God love them. They're ambassadors now, and so I guess they can't weigh in on this. But could do they have proxies? You know, can we just at least leak to the fucking Arizona Republic that we heard that Cindy McCain voted for Katie Hobbs? I, I'm just saying. I, give me anything. Give me anything. Anybody. We're two weeks out.
0: What what would your – if you had to bet five bucks on this, what do you bet on? Do you bet on on Lake or Hobbs or an election that devolves into some sort of recount fight insanity?
2: Full disclosure, I talk about it on the pod. I'm, I am in – I am working at a bunch of these races, right? Or we have ads. We have campaigns at a bunch of these races. And it's, it's Republicans talking about why they – will not support the Republican candidate because they're anti-democracy and insane and whatever. So one of the races is um Secretary of State race in Arizona is extremely important. The guy who's running with Carrie Lake is also a massive election denier. He's got, like, anti-Semitic – like, he's got all kinds of crazy stuff in his past. Total weirdo. Adrian Fontes is the Democrat – He
1: posted Nazi stuff on Pinterest? Yeah.
2: No, I, I mean, he's just like, he's to just like, so he's He posted so Nazi bad.
1: stuff on Pinterest. Well, you know. Just a little Nazi Pinterest. Not a big deal. Usually recipes.
2: So right now, Katie Hobbs and Carrie Laker are in a statistical tie in a lot of these polls. Um, but Adrian Fontes is running several points ahead of Mark mm. Uh He's like, like legitimately up on him. Uh, which means that there are people making that distinction. And so I could make an argument a really optimistic one, Sarah the Optimist, that Republicans are the ones peaking too soon, that they peaked last week, and that right now gas prices are coming down, stock market is up, and that if Democrats would just go on offense in this moment, draw the contrast, hit hard, because this is, this is true in Wisconsin between Evers and Tim Michaels. It's a similar situation. You got, you got Evers. It's just that Evers is the incumbent, but he's also got a charisma problem. Uh, Michaels is the Trumpy, you know, businessman or whatever, but like, Circle the wagons. Get Obama out there. I might leave Joe Biden at home. But like – and and push really hard. Democrats should marshal every resource, all the money. They should focus on these governors' races because one of the big things that's happening – like if you look back – I I, I might have said this to you guys, but like the turning point in the race was when – Democrats had been really winning on abortion, but Ron DeSantis put a bunch of migrants on a plane and he changed the conversation away from abortion to immigration, which no matter how bad you think that stunt was, is better territory for Republicans in every way. And then they just buried people in crime ads, gas prices went up, whatever. But it is possible to return that narrative to be like Democrats make late push. But like you got to do those things that create those headlines because the headlines are part of what's creating the vibe of now, Right. Is the sense like everything's collapsing. You know, Republicans are on offense in Oregon and offense in Washington. Like you can do those things, too. Democrats could do those things. Take the Ohio race. Go in for Tim Bryan, Push. Go on offense places. Push the envelope. Get people to talk about like, you know, they're collapsing. Republicans are collapsing in New Hampshire because of Baldick. There are ways to go on offense here and make a closing argument that ends things on an upswing for you Democrats. It's not over yet. There's two weeks to go.
0: Ryan is gonna lose by six and Bulldock is getting close. Sorry.
1: I think that Lake will probably win, but not definitely. It is a close race. And I think that your point about Fincham and Fontes is well taken. I think that there will be craziness that happens because um I'm worried about violence, but I think there'll be craziness. with the the counting, it takes Arizona while to count. We all live through this. Um, but I don't, you know, I I I've I've continued to say I won't I would not be surprised if governor democratic governor candidates out perform what happens in the environment on the national stuff because of the abortion thing. That is still, even though that's that's not what is being talked about as much in the narrative, that that will still drive votes. And so I, you know, we'll see. But I agree with Sarah, like you have to do something. They have to, they have to ch- change the momentum. And, and I think that it is at this point just as likely that Hobbes wins narrowly as that Lake wins kind of handily and carries across masters with her at least and possibly even Fincham. I think the Fincham is the least likely of that, but possibly even Fincham. I, I think that that outcome is just as likely as a Katie Hobbs narrow victory. And I think that a Lake narrow victory is probably the most likely outcome. But all three of those are possible, and the race isn't over. And just like a sleepwalking into letting this woman win Arizona is insane.
0: Uh, my prediction is that regardless of what happens, Carrie Lake will declare victory Basically, as soon as the polls close.
2: Yeah, well, that's a safe bet. And,
0: and I, I think that that's part of, yeah. right? I mean, the minute the polls close, she's going to say we won. And, uh, like, that's the most alpha Trumpy thing to do. And, uh, you know, she'll move from there. Okay, so yesterday we had the release of a letter from the House Progressive Caucus led by Pramila Jayapal. They released this, this stupid letter calling for... The Biden administration to reassess their position on Ukraine and really focus on talks with russia it 's very bad in twenty four hours later uh they 've re- retracted it, which is what responsible governing parties did they didn 't double down and double down and double down they didn 't say actually, you go try to find the the person who is recruiting migrants in texas we don't we' we're, we're not going to say who that was, but right? They just said, yep, this was bad. We shouldn't have done this. This is, this is a wrong thing to propose and would actually be harmful. We take it back. Which is, again, what a responsible governing party does. Instead, I see people dunking on them on Twitter. And they're like, you know, oh, look at them. They're saying, you know, oh, it's a, you know. They, they, and I'm like, what? what? I'm sorry. They're doing the right thing.
1: My young intern put out the statement. It is a little confusing how they let that happen. So it was a, it was a mistake.
2: Yeah, this is like this is preposterous. They're they're blaming it. They're blaming a staffer, and and like maybe that's maybe that's true. But either way, I, I got to tell you, JBL, I understand. It is good that they withdrew it. That is the right thing. It's better than It is better than doubling down, which is what Republicans would have done. Or whatever. This is like the kind of thing that is so incompetent. Two weeks before a midterm, you undermine the president's position and put something out like this. Like this isn't this isn't.
0: I understand and agree.
2: And then, like, and then you have to pull, and then you pull it back. It, like, the whole thing looks ridiculous.
0: I understand and agree. But on the other hand, uh, taking the politics aside from it, this is the responsible governing thing to do.
2: No, not the politics of it. Like, the competence of it.
1: Can I give a contrarian Sarah-esque rose-colored glasses view of this? Sure. Maybe their incompetence kind of helps Biden a little bit. You know, makes him, <laughs> reminds people that he's he's tough and normal and strong, and wants to take on the Russians, and he's not actually owned by these these liberal assholes. Everyone says that Biden is just a puppet for the squad, and it's like the squad puts out a stupid statement. Biden's administration says, fuck you, no. A couple smart Democrats, like my man Jake Auchincloss, it's a great name.
2: It's a great name.
1: Put out as put out statements talking about how dangerous and wrong this is, and the progressive caucus says, "Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Biden, Mr. President Biden, you are right. I don't know, maybe it kind of maybe you could position it as a little bit more of a, you know, kind of alpha move that uh, that debunks the the concerns that are out there that the administration is really just at the beck and call of the far left. I mean, it's hard to imagine this happening in Kevin McCarthy's caucus." was the Freedom Caucus putting out a statement and then Kevin McCarthy being like, no, that was wrong. And the Freedom Caucus being like, yes, sir, Mr. McCarthy, you were right. We were wrong. Right? That's very hard to imagine. So there's something to be said for that, no? No green shoot there for you?
2: I'm going to be the bad guy here and tell you that like this is – the problem is that this is like a habit, right? Like Joe Biden comes out and says something and then like his staff walks it back. Like and he makes like kind of big important foreign policy statements and like then his staff is out there trying to clean it up. Like the amount where Democrats say something and then they're like, no, never mind or that's not really what we think. Like – I would say that if we hadn't just had the most inept, most insane Republican president of our lifetime, I would be looking at these guys being like, are you serious with all this? This is crazy.
1: I feel like every Democrat needs to hire either a dad or a lesbian mom who's between the age of 38 and 48 and who feels very uncomfortable with the new woke language and have that person be the approval person on every piece of communique that goes out. I do think a lot of these problems stem. I don't know if it's true that it was really a young junior intern that put out the press release, but I do think that a lot of these problems stem from who is controlling the communication with this media and the communication on social media. And they are like 26-year-old Brooklyn progressives Love Brooklyn progressives. Love the 26-year-old Oakland progressives. I'll see you at Starline later. But like, you know, we just we need a check on that. We just need like a, a guy with dad jokes, you know, or mom jokes, whatever. Just, you know, a middle-of-the-road, get Rev- Reverend Warnock, you know, somebody with a sweater vest and some dad jokes to just look at all the communiques before they go out.
0: All right, before we get out of here, uh, clean up from last Thursday night. Is there anything that you guys would like to share with me from the big live event?
1: I thought I did a nice job hosting. I don't know, JBLG, listen to it. You want to grade me as a. You know, give me a figure skating judge. I didn't listen to it. Is it available? Yeah, it's it's available.
2: This is this is amazing. Tim Tim's response is: I think I did a good job hosting. Well,
1: okay. Well, you were critical of my clothes. I didn't I didn't close it down on the clothes, but I thought I did. I, I was I'm not a professional, but I, I I I moved.
2: I thought you meant on your clothes, as in what you were wearing, and I was going to say I did not make fun of your clothes. Charlie made fun of your clothes because you were wearing a pink hat. Oh, and I made fun of you on stage. It was though, peach.
1: About it. it was peach. Actually, the hat was yeah. peach. Not pink, um, but it's okay. Um, I also had a lot of necklaces. It was awesome, man. The people are great. they're the best. They're very good. Uh, uh, you know, usually, like I expect the, at the bookstores. Here's the thing. When I'm going around on the book tour at the bookstores, I have a couple of people who are Super Bowl fans that come, but the majority of the audience are people that are pretty gray in the hair. Okay, I love my elders and all that, and that's wonderful. It's the type of people who show up to bookstores. You know, everyone. Everyone has things going on. I, 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 was impressed by just the demographic. You know, we've we're, we're bringing some fans from all of the generations, and that's nice. I like that. I loved hearing from people, um, and it was really good. I do have one other thing, JVL, Unless you wanted to, you had any questions, follow up questions about what you missed? No, I'm here to absorb. I received a message yesterday uh, from a mutual friend, and uh, they said, "Hey, um, my friend uh, and former roommate." Drag queen Margot has agreed to go on the Jesse Waters show tomorrow night. And um, Jesse had been uh, talking about how it's inappropriate for uh, children to see drag shows uh, on a show last week. And he found the Herschel Walker of drag queens to come on the show and say that she agrees and does not want children at her shows. And she would walk out if a child showed up. And so uh, drag queen Margot is being invited on to rebut it. And as soon as we finish taping this, as soon as we finish taping this, I'm going to talk to her and give her some tips for her uh, appearance with Jesse Waters. I'm just wondering if you guys have any any advice or guidance that I should give her.
2: I have three things to say.
1: All right, great.
2: The first is that the drag queen discourse is only one rung above... The kitty litter box discourse, the human litter box discourse in like its stupidity relative to our actual culture Two, when it comes to actual drag queens. And like I if you have like if you are in the LGBT community, you are as like going to drag queen bingo or whatever. Those were not children appropriate. None of them. It, they're barely adult appropriate. Drag queens are mean. They yell at you. Uh, part of their whole shtick is to be as cruel as possible while you're there. Like, that's the point. Uh, if you've ever gone to drag brunch, none of these things are appropriate for children. Don't take your children there. Excuse
1: me. Uh, excuse me. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm a parent. I can take my kid to whatever I goddamn please. And uh, and I will take my child to a drag brunch. You can. Who cares? Think about all the stupid shit that the magas make their kids watch on TV. I don't, There's plenty of shit I don't think is appropriate. The drag brunches
0: are mean. They're like, is it like drag queens are Triumph the Insult comic dog? Is that they what it is? Are,
2: that is like, that was always the shtick. I was didn't know that.
0: Th- Having never been to one of these events, Damn, I don't know. You, of
2: course, anybody's welcome to take their, They people can do whatever they want right. uh, to take their children. Do I think that culturally, would I say that that's an appropriate thing to do? I do not believe it is an appropriate thing to do.
1: Okay, well, that hurts my feelings, I guess, but I don't live in suburban Maryland like you do, so I understand that maybe we're that we have like a little different cultural take. They're not
0: fun and affirming. It's not like a like a we're all in this together there's kind of that. thing. Yeah, rainbows. I thought I just assumed that a drag brunch would be like a big like happy thing, not a not a like an insult there's, comic. There's
1: time. also reading. There's reads. There's insults. Yeah, there's a little bit of both. Interesting.
2: Okay. I mean the, the ones like that I have been to, which are great fun, uh, usually what happens is like city folk take their bougie parents to them and like a drag queen like does a Beyonce dance, makes some dildo jokes, and then yeah. like grinds on the dad to make him uncomfortable. Yeah. And like I would say that's a pretty standard thing, and like I wouldn't take my kids to that.
0: Would you take your parents to that?
2: No. <laughs> I, I actually never like I, I've never quite understood the allure. I now the brunch was terrific, and I myself would go with my friends and like you know eat sushi at eleven a.m. and drink mimosas. Like that's a fun time, but I wouldn't wouldn't say it's like kid fare. Well, this is a
1: really great opinion to know. It's nice to know that we you know are culturally you know having different a differing of, of opinions. Last week on the show, we had a disagreement about pot gummies, and now about the drag queens. And I'm so with this you on this is this I know. So now this is part of your olive oh. branch. You know, for people who are like, oh, the bulwark—they've gone too woke. You know they're fully in with the trans community and they love the drag queen bingo. You're like, no, actually, the publisher of the Bulwark feels deeply uncomfortable at drag queen brunch apparently, and does not want to take children there. So that is like kind of an olive branch.
2: Enjoys drag queen drunk myself. Not going to take my kids.
1: It's an olive branch for you to the magus. That's nice. What was your third? What was your third point? You forgot oh, it. No,
2: I just. Uh, can
0: I give that to you, Tim? Because I I have that. Uh, here's my advice. Don't ever fucking go on a hostile program for two reasons, okay? The first reason is that those people are making money. That's why Jesse Waters goes on TV every night. He's not doing it for the discourse. He's not doing it for, for the furtherance of ideas. He's doing it to make money. Why would you go on to somebody you don't like's show and help them make money? That's insane. But secondly, here's here's a thing that I think people who are not media professionals, maybe don't understand, when you go onto somebody else's show, you are going to lose first time every time because they control the format. I would not go onto one of these guys' shows because no matter how smart and clever you are, you can't get the best of them because they own the editing button and they own the format. In the same way that if somebody wanted to debate me in print, that would be really fucking foolish of them because I'm very good at it. Like you don't, you don't walk into somebody else who does this for a living on the other side and think that you're going to get a fair
1: hearing. It's, it's crazy to ever do that. Okay. Well, I was actually looking for advice for Margot for a performance tonight. That was not helpful on any of the three counts. What
2: are you going to say, Tim?
1: Well, I think that uh, I'm going to tell her to be on offense, which is exactly the type of advice that uh, I would hope that Sarah, Sarah would, have, would have said. I said, this is live tape. You can talk for as long as you want. If he wants to try to interrupt you, Don't worry about him. It's your conversation, not his. He can ask you a question. You can just start talking about all the important parts about drag and how that's been affirming for you and that you don't think that the government should be getting in anybody's way that's trying to uh, do something and that you can be on offense on parental rights. And I don't understand that the, the network that wants you know, parents to be able to have rights. If parents want to bring their kid out to the wholesome Margo, the drag queen, drag queen show where we read books, I think that that should be perfectly fine for them to do. I don't know why it's any of your business. And I don't really remember Jesse Waters bringing up Denny Hastert and his child (laughs) molestation. (laughs) And I was just wondering if you're planning on doing any segments on the actual child molesters. So, you know, something along those lines. I don't know that that exactly what it's going to be. I was going to let Margo tell me what her plans were, and I was going to just try to nudge her more towards an offensive posture, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I, I concur. I would not have done it. I appreciate your non-advice. Uh, she's not on for a few hours now, so if anything comes up, you can let me know, and uh, if it's good, we'll see it on Twitter, and if it's not good, we'll just pretend like this never happened, and that's Margo buzzing in right now, so I think that's it. I've got to go help her out.
0: Good show, long show. Everybody, hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, give us five stars, and follow us. We'll be back next week. Bye. Peace.
2: Bye.